All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Yay, Nico Smith, he's on the line. Actually, he's on the couch with a cup of coffee. All three, all at once. How are you, pal? On the cell, on the couch, on the coffee. There you go. <laughs> what a great way to start a Saturday morning. Oh, geez, I wish you could send that coffee through to us because we're feeling a little like uh, we could do really? with, oh. oh, I could do with a coffee. Hey, Whew. Okay, so okay, what I'm kind I'm of coffee did you make yourself this morning on your lovely little no, machine? Just a little uh, cortada, uh, uh, espresso with some milk. Like, it's a, like a small little cappuccino. But it's a nice kick in the, in, in, the, in the gut in the morning to wake you up. So, um, yes. I must say, a, I've started drinking cortados now because there's not too much milk in it, but there is, it. you know, so... Okay, so, so you have a bit of the sweet milk, and, and, and it's not too much more exactly that. It's really quite nice. All right. So, Nico, um, are you be, have you been Formula One watching? Oh, yes, of course. As you know, it's, uh, the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. So, um, it's, of course, extremely iconic um, racing in Monaco, mm. um, racing in, in a street circuit. So, uh, the thing with Monaco is the qualifying is quite important because there's not a lot of places to overtake. So, you want to make sure that you qualify... Um, in first and get a good start because you can then dominate the race. So um, it's worth watching for the yachts and the stick, and you know the, the, the whole um, spectacular show that it, that, that Monaco brings. Yes. Qualifying today today is from four to five, and the race tomorrow I think is from three o'clock. I could have double checked, but I think it's from three o'clock tomorrow. I'll be nailed. Um, I think the, the, the normally the, the coverage starts about an hour and a half before. And, of course, I'll be watching all the pre-coverage as well and the guys getting themselves ready. So, um, yeah, race starts at three. That's correct. I mean, I was watching, was it Spain last week? Uh, and and uh, it was intriguing to see how old Hamilton dropped to the bottom but managed to pull himself quite close up to the top um, owing to that uh, wheel explosion or wheel issue. Yeah, you know what? With racing, it's, uh, it was. Uh, I'm, look at you, Michelle. I'm quite impressed. We're having a conversation about Formula One. I, I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, is this Michelle Constant? <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the racing was okay. Um, you know, this, um, he, um, Hamilton, uh, crashed. And, and sometimes we have what we call a racing incident. And if you're fighting for a corner with another car, especially at the start, just it, it can happen that two cars come together. Yeah. So um, Magnussen um, basically damaged his car, and that um, compromised his race. So um, the Mercedes-Benz cars were battling with what we call poor pressing, which is effectively the cars bouncing up and down in the straight. They seem to have sorted it out. Yeah. So I think there's now three contenders for pole in Monaco. Um, although I'm not so sure how, because with, with Monaco, you, you need the cars that um, actually uh, are good in slow-speed corners. There's a lot of slow-speed stuff in Monaco. So we'll see how the Mercs do. So it's obviously going to be between the red, the Ferraris and the Red Bull. Um, and then we'll see if Merck can also be in there. So it'll make an interesting qualifying and a, hopefully an exciting race. Okay. So who are you putting your money on? Whew. I think Max is going to take it again. He's, just, um, he's on a roll currently, Max Verstappen. Um, the, way he, the way he's racing and the way he's qualifying. But, uh, probably between him and Leclerc, I, I think. Um, yeah. The guys I like is Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. So, um, but the, the McLaren is nowhere, and currently Leclerc is is is, is really dominating Sainz as well. So let's see. Um, it'll be interesting. It's so, but I think I think I think my money is on on Max. He's just 
he's on a roll and he's really hot stuff. So I love the way you just call him Max as though he's your next door neighbor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is quite funny, eh? <laughs> it's like we're chatting to these people like we know. Oh, how's yeah. you Max? How's it yeah. going? Exactly. So, um, <laughs> Okay, my money's on Max's captain. Okay. Nick, I've got a question, a couple of questions for you. I'll start with the first one, and then we'll crack it in from there. Let's uh, go to it right now. Hello, Nico. It's Peter Winey. I wonder if uh, we should uh, not discuss the road ahead and the possibility of you becoming hydrogen head. I heard that the Germans have made a breakthrough with um, hydrogen being used more safely by oil coating it, it was said on the uh, radio yesterday, and we've got to have some sort of hope about the future, with the way petrol is going and the price of petrol. Could we discuss uh, the use of hydrogen and other ways of reducing the cost of fuel? Nico, could you look into that, maybe start the discussion this morning and carry on in the future? <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to me. Bye. So there we go. Start the discussion at least. <laughs> well, we, we actually started. We did last week. Already. I know. Yeah, but let's continue with the discussion. Um, the, the big thing with hydrogen is the cost in uh, producing the hydrogen to go to the car. It's really um, energy. Uh, it consumes a lot of energy. So even though in the car, effectively, hydrogen cars are electric cars. So the hydrogen um, produces electricity, which drives the electric motor. So a hydrogen car has got a hydrogen tank, which you pump full of hydrogen, and it uh, produces electric, so it's effectively an electric car, and the byproduct is water out of the exhaust. So that's the good thing with hydrogen. The, 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 the difficult thing is, is the energy consumption for the hydrogen, the cost involved. Also, I mean, manufacturers have been trying for a while to, to have hydrogen cars, not really successfully, and, and people's uptake on that you know, isn't great as well. As, as you did last week, I think in California and possibly one other state, there are hydrogen cars running around. But manufacturers haven't been successful in that. And trust me when I tell you, they are also trying other ways instead of um, internal combustion or, or, or you know, petrol or diesel. Um, the price of that is going up. Um, electric cars cost is quite expensive. I think it's like three times more to produce an electric car than in, in an equivalent uh, internal combustion engine car. And manufacturers are looking for, for green emissions, but they haven't been that successful yeah. in selling us hydrogen cars. So... Um, I'm not sure if we're there yet. I know they're probably still trying, but it's not something that's viable because you also, currently in South Africa especially, you're going to have to have filling stations that now have a special hydrogen tank. Um, uh, So the cost involved is quite a lot. And filling stations, you know, even for them to put up charges currently, they want to, so anybody can put up an electric car charger. You just have to have the right supply, but then the cost is a lot. So a lot of filling stations or or garages don't, you know, if you're driving down a cat truck, for instance, um, they don't have the co- the money to put in um, the cost to to put an electric car charger there. And the same with hydrogen; they're going to have special tanks, and there's going to be a huge cost involved. So they might not have that cost. So I'm not sure, unfortunately, if it's if it's the right thing for South Africa, if it if it, if it will be successful. So Nico, um, you mentioned like the, the issue of the price of oil, and you talk about driving from, example, for Joburg to Cape Town. Yeah. Um, I see that Fiona in Peter Maritzburg said. The best road trips I used to make was when I piled the car, the kids into my old VW and we headed to Derbs for the day. The whole round trip cost about 10 rand. Jeez, Fiona, I'm not sure when you did that, but you are. So, I mean, the reality is, is we're going to see the petrol price go up again in June. Mm-hmm. 
first of all, we do need to see in the long run. So the strategy for the long run is that we have to see a shift away from petroleum and diesel and that kind of thing. The other thing, of course, is that uh, maybe we need to really start engaging in much smaller entry-level cars and cars that just don't, don't take a lot of petrol or don't cost enormous amounts of money to fill the tank. What's your take on that? Well, well, that's a difficult thing. We we currently relying on, on petrol and diesel, and we we have no choice. I think that you know, there's there's other factors. How much how much is the tax on fuel in South Africa? That's that's a conversation. Also, you could explore and say, you know, what's our you know where's that money going? And, and that's a lot of money that um, and it's putting pressure on everybody. There are small little cars that are very efficient, Michelle. That's a reality. If you if you're buying small cars, you can buy little diesel cars that are extremely efficient. Yeah. But the cost going up by three rand, three rand per litre, suddenly that makes a big difference. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have cars. And if they're applying on, on public transport and their prices are going up, they have less money in their pocket. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's, it's not a great situation for all of us. The cars are there. But, again, the cars are extremely expensive in South Africa. The tax on a car is a lot compared to, let's say, if you lived in the UK. What you earn and what you can buy versus in South Africa, what you earn, what you can buy aren't the same thing. So that's, again, the sad reality is that you know, there's so much tax and that's all holding all of us down and not making life easy. But I don't know what the answer is. But I know it, it definitely makes it tougher for all of us. Is, I mean, someone just asking, is petrol going to be increasing next week uh, in June by over three? I don't know. What are the details? Do you know anything about that? I don't know. You know, it's so confusing. Um, okay, now petrol is going up. And the problem is, well, there's so many rumors that it. it it makes it difficult to see what is actually the, you know, what's the reality. But again, I've read in the news that petrol's going up. I don't know what by what. Um, the thing is, we just have to start boxing clever in the way we drive as well. We've got a plan if we, um, you know, if we're stopping in a shopping center, don't stop on the one side and drive to the other side. Walk a little bit more. You know, consider how far, and I say that and I'm quite lazy because the, the closest shop isn't far away. So, you know, it's not actually bad for you to get, um, walk to the shop and walk back as opposed to driving. So plan and uh, drive less. Um, when, you, uh, you know, when you're planning a trip and you've got to go shopping, find a shopping center that has more things, go there once, buy more things, bulk up. Maybe that's something that helps. Carpool is something that also helps a lot. If you're carpooling with somebody, suddenly you're paying half a month's fuel instead of a full month's fuel because they drive half a month and you drive half a month. So yeah. I do think that we, if, we, if we consider that and plan a little bit more, that maybe that will help us as well. Um, uh, but it, again, not for everybody. A lot of people rely on public transport, and then the cost goes up. And what can what can they do? That's not easy either. So I don't know, unfortunately. I do think we need to start thinking quite seriously about the um, how we use trains. And I mean, I'm thinking of Lorenzo Davids in Cape Town, and his big push with his team around getting the trains back online, getting the trains back on track, yeah. and and using trains because the cost, the difference is. Uh, 10 rand for a ticket on a train and 90 rand for a ticket in a taxi and it really does uh, make a huge difference to anybody. That's the thing. And I think is there as well. So Hartrain can be an option, uh, option rather, dependent on you know, where you work. So I don't know, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Nico, um, we've got some questions from people. Uh, someone is, is saying By the way. Uh, something about someone wanting to know about how often should they change their tyres. Um, the tyres, um, there's a theoretical part and there's a practical part. Practically, when the tyre tread um, gets less than one millimetre, so if you take a match, uh, if you look inside, if you, 
take your front wheels and turn them to the side, let's say all the way right. Then have a look at the tread. Um, on the side of the tire, at the top, there's a small little triangle, and in the tread, in, in other words, in the groove, mm. there's a little bit of a bump. Um, and that's what we call a tread wear indicator. And when the bump and the tread is the same height, it's time to replace. In other words, if a matchstick, um, if you put a matchstick in the tire flat and it sticks out a little bit, it's time to replace. That's the same for the front and the back. So that's normally when you need to replace the tires. Um, there's also a theoretical part that says roughly tires should last about uh, uh, roughly five years is the life of a tire. So if you look on the side of a tire, there's normally um, an, it's almost like an oval dent in the car. I don't want to say oval sticker outside of the tire rather, but with two numbers, let's say it's 0519. Um, and that means that the tire was constructed in the first month of 2019. So in theory as well, um, there's a time where tires have, if you look at a tire that's 10 years old, but the thread is still gray, it might be that you need to replace the tire, that the rubber might start cracking. But practically, Michelle, it's so expensive. Um, so there's a theory part, but the tire costs so much. You know, if I still have some tread left and it's past the expiry date, and I'm probably still going to drive it because I, I just can't afford to replace the tires all the time when the theory goes up. So when the tread is it's worn out, it's time to replace Okay, we've got a question for you. We're going to crack it out for you. Let's go for it. Good morning, Mr. Carr. Sorry to call you Mr. Carr. I just want to pose my question. What can we do as drivers to save petrol on our cars? Whether you're driving a big car or a small car, what can we do? Just give me that answer. Maybe I will go, I will go for it. What can we do to save petrol when we're driving our car? I mean, you mentioned that the idea of like doing the different things, but what would you suggest? So if you, whatever car you have, you're not going to make a huge difference in saving, but things that you can, um, the ways to save is keep the car moving. The most energy is used when the car pulls away. So if you're driving, look ahead and plan a bit better. So if the traffic light in front of you, um, look far ahead, and if that one's turning red, slow down a little bit and try and get it when it's green so you don't have to stop and race to the next traffic light and stop and race to the next one. If you can time it and keep moving, that's going to make a difference. Um, when you're driving the car, the revolutions of the engine make a big difference. So if you're revving to 6,000 RPM and changing and revving to 6,000 uh, 6, RPM, that's going to use a lot more fuel than you, let's say, changing at 3,000 RPM. So try and find out where that sweet spot is. And the quicker you can change gears without laboring the car so the car doesn't battle. Um, in other words, maybe it could be um, my car is a turbo petrol, so I can actually change uh, 2,000 RPM and the car still goes nicely, so I don't have to rev it hard. So that's one thing. Get to your highest gear as soon as you can. So get to fifth gear as soon as you can, um, because when the revs are low, that's going to make a difference. The speed on the highway is going to make a difference. If you're driving at 120 versus 130, that's going to make a huge difference. Or 140, you're driving 140 versus 120, there's a huge difference in fuel consumption. If you have a bucky, um, if you just got a bucket with an open cab at the back, there's a lot of air resistance. So a tonneau cover, that, that vinyl cover that goes over the back, or even a canopy can make a difference in the fuel consumption of the bucket. So those are small things. The tire pressures, um, make sure that they're right. If they are too low, there's more resistance on the tire. That's, that can make a small difference. But you're not, these are things that will help you, but you're not going to make a huge difference in sunny saves or get another 100 k's out of your range. Um, but it will make a, a small difference in the car. Those are small things I can suggest you help. Okay. Yeah, not sure what's going on with this here, but anyway. Um, Keith in uh, Stellenbosch is saying, Morning, Michelle and Nico. 
F1 today is going to be very tense and boring. I sympathize with Hamilton's car because his endless porpoising car, like a porpoise, I'm not sure what that means, at, Mon- at the Monaco racetrack with lots of braking is going to cause a lot of problems. Um, I'm a Red Bull fan, but with the difficulty to overtake on that boring Monaco track, um, Ferrari's Leclerc is going to win. Oh, interesting. You see, that's what makes it interesting. So, porpoising Michel is the car's used ground effect. So, as you go faster, the car's efficacy sucks down on the road. So, yeah. But they're very close. But what happens at certain stages, the car slightly touches the road surface and it loses, immediately loses the downforce, which lifts the car up. And then again, the ground effect pulls the car down. So what you get, it's, it looks like the car's bouncing up and down, up and down. So if you look at the strike, almost looks like it's, a, it's an uneven road and the car bounces up and down. That's the porpoising that we talk about. And the fact right. suffered with that. I think they've sorted it out, but I still think they're not going to be there in Monaco. I think it's still between Red Bull and Ferrari. Narayan, I don't know what's going on with this microphone. Naran Dulab is asking, when newer cars switch off when you stop, is that cost saving? It's, it's, you know, it's like losing weight. So when you're losing weight, you want to lose weight all over your body. You don't lose weight in one place. You lose weight all over. Oh well, in my case, I might have one place and a lot more weight to be lost. But you lose weight all over your body. And the same with, with manufacturers. When they make the car efficient, they have all over small things that make a difference. So in other words, they might make the car a bit lighter, and that's going to save you fuel. They might have direct fuel injection, that's going to save you fuel. They might have a, a, a more fuel-efficient engine, that's going to save you fuel. And start-stop also saves you fuel, because you think about it, if you're standing in a traffic light idling, you're using fuel. If you're standing in a traffic light not idling, you're not using fuel. So the start-stop system that we all hate, well, I can't say everybody hates it, but I, I'm not a fan, does make a difference because you're not idling at the traffic light using fuel. The car's engine is switched off while you're standing still. It's gone so far that some cars actually now can switch off while you're driving. So there are some of the newer cars you might be driving at 120 on the highway, and for a certain time, let's say 30 or 40 seconds, the car will switch off the engine because you don't need the engine to run while you're driving, and it then normally has a, a mild hybrid system. In other words, it has a battery um, that can supply energy to all the uh, climate control and radio and all those things. So there are actually cars that have start-stop well, technically while you're driving. So it does make a difference, but not a huge difference. But considering everything else, that's what adds to the good fuel consumption in a car. Okay, quickly, we've got one minute. Richard wants to know how does speeding affect fuel usage and saying, yeah. The higher the revs, um, the more it's going to affect it, the higher the speed. So if you're doing, like I said, between one, between 100 and 120 and 140, big difference in fuel consumption. Um, so um, I'm not saying drive at 100 on the highway when it's 120, but the speed um, does affect it. And the revs then is the other one. The higher the revs of the engine, the more it's going to affect the fuel consumption of the car. Fantastic. Nico, that's it. You're going to go off and have a bri today, hey? Oh, how did you know? I know, because <laughs> I, know, I know everything. And yes, absolutely... I'm having a bri with some friends. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. It's a lovely... Um, like a, a, one of the best days for Brian. Sun's shining, not too warm. It's going to be great. Well, you have fun. What are you doing? Oh, I've got a couple of things up my sleeve. <laughs> oh, well, enjoy then. <laughs> Nick, I will speak to you next week, 9 o'clock. Time for the news. Good morning.